Well, words have the potential to get us into so much trouble, don't they? (laughs) That's why we're starting a new teaching series on the power of words called Words Matter. You know, the average man uses about 12 to 15,000 words per day, somewhere between eight and 10 words per minute. The average woman uses about 20,000 words a day, up to 40 or 80,000 words a day. The average woman uses about 14 words per minute. Now for me, that represents about 12 to 15,000 opportunities to get into trouble. (laughs) I mean, you think about just the number of words we use each day and the number of opportunities that presents to us to get ourselves into trouble or to say something hurtful to someone else or something untrue or something damaging. It really is incredible. Think of all the places that you go where your words can get you into trouble at home, at work, at school, in the car, at a store, at a ball game. I mean, really everywhere. And, and today, which is certainly different from when I was growing up, your words can get you into trouble, not just with what you say, but with what you type, what you send in a text or an email, or what you post on social media. There have been times I've, I've had to remove a post or send a follow-up text. You know, there are just countless ways that our words can get us into trouble today, not just spoken, but written, typed, or posted. And then you think about the normal course of relationships. You know, if you're married, you probably know something about what it looks like for your words to get you into trouble. Now, my wife and I have been married 22 years. We've never had an argument. We've, we've, no, 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 we haven't. We, now, we've, we've yelled at each other and said hateful things and strongly disagreed, but never had an argument. I remember on one occasion, we were, I think, driving in the car somewhere. This is early in our marriage, and we were having one of those disagreements, and I was right and she was wrong, but she didn't see that at the time. And I'll never forget, she just said to me with such disdain, she said, you are so mean, and I didn't appreciate the direct attack. And, and so I just responded the only way I knew in all of my maturity with all of my education. I said, well, you're ugly. <laughs> now I know what you're wondering. Were you all married in the third grade? <laughs> it's amazing how marriage can reduce you to a child in the midst of a strong disagreement. <laughs> Remember after I said that to her, we kind of both looked and chuckled at each other actually at primarily my immaturity, but our tongue can get us into a lot of trouble. Speaking disrespectfully maybe to your parents, saying something that's untrue or inappropriate about someone else, being harsh with your children, rude to a coworker, unloving to your spouse, dishonest with your employer, short-tempered with a cashier, demanding with a waiter or waitress, critical of a friend. There's just so many opportunities that words can get us into trouble. And in fact, when you look at the word of God, there is much to be discerned about the power of words and the importance of controlling them. It's actually pretty phenomenal how much God himself has said to us about the power of words and the need to control them. I wanna give you a simple truth that I think 
is practical, but also tied to the word of God, the truthfulness of God. Just a simple statement that maybe will encourage you as it's encouraged me. Simply this, that words can be used to inform, to injure, or to inspire. I mean, you think about it, when I think about it, I think of three broad categories of how our words are used. They, they can be used to inform, to injure, or inspire. You know, much of what we do with our words is informative. We're talking about something related to work or something related to sports or something related to history or whatever. You know, we, we, we talk about things in, in an effort to inform or just to discuss current events kind of thing. But then, you know, where words get us into so much trouble is that words can be used to injure, not just inform, but to injure. And that's a huge part of what our words do at times. And then, of course, our words can be used positively to inspire. There's actually one verse of scripture that I I think summarizes this beautifully. It's found in Proverbs 18. And much of this series is going to come out of the Proverbs, which is such a practical book of the Bible intended to help us in our everyday lives. And there's one proverb in particular that's always resonated with me when it comes to the power of words. It's this, let me show it to you. Proverbs 18, 21, check this out. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And just think about that statement. That's a powerful statement that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I mean, can you think of two more important things than death and life? And, and the scripture helps us to understand that, that death and life are found within the power of the tongue. How we use our words communicates either something related to death and injury or life and inspiration. Let me touch on a few other Proverbs. Let me take a little kind of brief stroll through the Proverbs and not show you every passage. We'll do that over the course of the series that relates to words. But let me just give you a couple of general statements this morning found just in the Proverbs about this contrast between death and life. Let me, let me start in Proverbs 10. Check this out. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals Violence Again, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 10, 19. I relate to this. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. <laughs> That's an intimidating verse of scripture, isn't it? Where there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. Look at Proverbs 12. The words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright rescues them. You ever said something that later came back to haunt you or gets you in trouble? The words of the wicked are an ambush. Check out Proverbs 12 and verse 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is for but a moment. Proverbs 15, the tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. That certainly goes against the modern wisdom that sticks and stones can break the bones, but words can never hurt me. (laughs) No, the tongue that heals is a tree of life, but the devious tongue breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15, 28, the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering or before speaking. It seems that I remember my dear mother warning me at times, you ought to think before you speak. And occasionally I listen to that advice. (laughs) Maybe not often enough. The mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. 
And then finally, look at Proverbs 21 and verse 23. The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I mean, those are like profound statements, are they not? Incredibly helpful reminders about the power of words and the need to measure them and to control them in order to guide the course of our lives. We see that more is at stake here than just relationships or more is at stake here than just an impression made on social media. No, actually death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can be used to bring healing or words can be used to bring destruction. There, there, there is power tied to the words that we speak. And see, the Proverbs present this contrast between death and life and the wicked and the righteous in order to help us to remember that the unrestrained tongue leads to death. Now, James, who was an apostle of, of, of the Lord, James wrote a letter that's kind of referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And guess what? He has a whole section on words. Just a little snippet of what James reminds us of in chapter three. Look at this. He says, the tongue is a fire, the tongue, a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among our members and it stains the whole body. In other words, the words that we often use sometimes, like it, 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 it corrupts the whole, it, 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 it corrupts our testimonies, our lives, and, 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 and it sets the course of life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. He continues, every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. James like, man, we can tame lions and tigers and bears. You know, like, oh my, I know. Yeah, I got you. Right, like, like think about it. Like we can tame pretty much anything, but we have this like little muscle in our mouths. And for all the years we try, we can't tame it. <laughs> and, and now that's extended to our fingers when we type or when we go to the keyboard to make a post or send an email or a text. It's just amazing what James says here in reflection of the Proverbs, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, that it's a fire, it's, a, it's an evil in us and, and it, it, it produces so much negativity around us. It really is fascinating. Here's the teaching of scripture. If we can learn to control our tongue and our words, literally it will impact the direction of our lives. I mean, that's powerful. A powerful, powerful reminder. The words can be used for destruction. It can also be used for inspiration. I'm mindful of the positivity of words. You know, when you, when you come to the word of God, when you come to the, the Bible, you know, it's, it's amazing that you see the power of words for the good. In fact, you see that God himself brought all into existence in terms of creation through what? The power of his word. We see in John chapter one, verses one and two, that in the beginning was the what? The word and the word was with God and the word was God. Talking about Jesus, he was with God in the beginning, he is God. But how is Jesus given to us? He's given to us by the statement that he is the word, the divine word. He is what is given to us from God as a definitive word of love, grace, and truth. There's power in words. There's power in the word. There's power positively 
in what God speaks and what God says and potentially what we speak and what we say. And so we, we, we just get a glimpse here as we come to God's word and we survey these Proverbs. We go to, to, to James. We, we see how there's so much power and potential in our words, but also so much danger. So let me say this again. Words can be used to inform, to injure, or to inspire. And my encouragement to each of us today is to use our words to inspire and to build others up. Now I planned this series months ago. I had no idea that it would be an, an even more timely word than could have been anticipated months ago. Imagine just the impact nationally if all of us learned to measure our words and we, we use them to build up and not tear down. We used our words to build up and not to tear down. You know, we are builders. I, I, in fact, I brought a little creation here from my youngest son. He, he, uh, he built this tower, you know, kind of like a skyscraper. I don't, I don't know if there's a skyscraper like this downtown. I haven't seen it, but you know, he spent some time on this and uh, very proud of it here. You can see he's got a future in architecture. So I wanted to show this to you today because he, he spent some time on this and I, I thought, wow, what a, an incredible example of building something. You know, we love to build. And, and so you think of the time my son spent and the enthusiasm and the joy. And if I just crushed it. Thought about doing a little karate kid on that bad boy. You think, wow. Now I have to tell you, my son knew that was coming. He's actually pretty excited about it. <laughs> so he's okay. But I, 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 do, I do want us to reflect for a moment on the fact that, you know, we could spend um, months, even years, building relationships with our children, our family, maybe friends, coworkers, our children. And isn't it amazing how quickly it can be just torn down? How? Through the power of words. I hate you. I wish I never would have met you. I wish you had never been born. Why can't you be more like your brother or your sister? You'll never amount to anything. I mean, isn't it amazing that you can spend sometimes years building a relationship, working on something, relating to someone in your life, communicating love, and, and literally in just a matter of moments, you can tear it all down. How? just through the power of words. Some of you may be with us today and, and you carry a wound with you from something that your parents said to you, your father said to you, your mother said to you years and years ago. Maybe a compilation of things that were said to you. Maybe some of you have a strained relationship with a family member, a sibling because of words exchanged where there were at one time, there, there, there were healthy relationships and there was, there, there, there was a building of love and of, of, of something that was good. And then, and then it was just torn down. 
And some of us, we deal with that still today, things that were said and spoken to us 10, 20, 30, 40, or 50 years ago. It's impacted us. It still impacts us. Some of you have a commitment as a mother or a father that, you know what, you're not going to repeat the mistakes of your mother or your father. And, and, and maybe you're, you're committed to perpetuating something that's good when you had something that was broken. You see, words can be used to injure. It really is amazing how quickly and how swiftly we can destroy something that maybe took years to build. Words can injure. They can, they can injure severely. They can cripple even that which we work to build over the course of many, many years. If, if you're unconvinced about the power of words, just look to the word of God that reminds us death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we want to use our words to what? To build up, to rebuild, to inspire, not to injure, but to inspire. There's a great example of this in the Proverbs as well. But I think we often overlook this. It's, it's in Proverbs 31, talking about the virtuous woman or the virtuous wife. And there's a little phrase there. I love this. Let me show it to you. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her and says, many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. You know what's interesting to me about this virtuous wife or woman? Notice this, the verbal praise of her family. Have you ever noticed that before? It's the power of words. There's strong affirmation, words to inspire, to encourage. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also saying, yeah, there have been many wonderful women and wives that you surpassed them all. You know, I've learned the power of that in my marriage. For, for years, you know, when my wife would have a birthday, or we'd get to Christmas or anniversary, I would always, of course, get her a card. And, and I mean, listen, I thought this through. I mean, I got to Walgreens a few minutes before I went home. I mean, I got there, you know, before and, and, I, and I'd get her a card that I wanted to get her. I got her a funny card because I think funny cards are inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, like... Like if you're going to get a card and you can spend four or five dollars, you know, like get a card that's fun. And that's just how I'm wired. Like I want something fun or fun. So I go to the humor section. I mean, I spend time on it. I really, really do. So I'd go and I'm searching through all these cards. I find the funniest one. I go home and, you know, I get her some flowers or whatever and, and a card, happy anniversary, happy birthday. And she'd open up that card and I couldn't wait. I'm like, this is going to be hilarious. And then she'd get the card, she'd open it up. Da, 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 da. Here's a joke, punchline, boom. I'm like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And it, she's like, it's fine. Which is a word of destruction. <laughs> All right. Those of you who aren't married yet, just trust me. Make a note of this. Okay. Tattoo this on your wrist. Okay. When she says fine, it ain't fine. Okay. That's a word of destruction. And so she's like, it's fine. And I mean, literally for the first couple of years, I'm a little slow. And I'm like, I don't, what do you mean fine? Like, that's good stuff. She's like, it's fine. I'm like, all right, well, we press on. Eventually, you know what I figured out? One of her love languages, primary love languages are words of affirmation. You know what she wants in a card? A lot of glitter. <laughs> she wants the poem. She wants the flowery words. She wants to be an expression of the heart. Now, I think that is dumb. Okay, I don't, I, I don't get, I don't need that. Okay, you know what? I, I want the humor, okay? I want the, I want the fun. That, that's not how she's, she wants the words of affirmation. She know what I learned to do? I learned, this is key guys. Again, just make a note. It's okay. I learned that the best cards have the most glitter. 
And so I just go to the glitter section and I, and I find the words and if they rhyme, you know what I mean? You know, and you gotta take about 10 minutes to read through these cards, okay? They're pretty thick. And all the, if, they, if it's flower, in other words, if it makes you sick to your stomach, that's the card she wants, okay? And so, and so here's what, this is true. I do this to this day. This is absolutely true. This is what I do, okay? I, I kind of compromised, but kind of didn't. And so this is what I do. I actually buy her two cards now. I buy her the funny card and I buy her the sappy card. I buy the card that I want to get her and I buy the card that she wants to read. And two things happen. I noticed this. Number one, when she reads the glitter card, she always says, did you mean this? The answer is yes. Every word that I quickly skimmed over. Okay, yes, straight from my heart. The second thing I noticed is, you know what? When she got the sappy card and the affirming card, now she finds the funny cards funny. And so I, I budget about $1,000 a year just for cards, okay? I, I get her the one I wanna get her and I get her the one that she wants to get and it's good. And you know, I've just learned over the years and you've learned if you've been married and you've learned if you've lived life that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And, and words can do so much to both tear down, but also to build up. And, and that's true of all of us in some form or fashion. Maybe words of affirmation isn't your primary love language. That's okay, guess what? They're still needed. Hey dads, can I give us a word of encouragement? You know what? No matter how we were raised or what we learned, here's the reality. Our kids need to hear from us that we love them. It's a very manly thing to say to your children, I love you. It's a very manly thing to say to your wife, I love you. But be prepared when you do, guys. And you say to your wife, Many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. She will have a question for you. Well, how is that? <laughs> Honey, I just think you're the best. I'm doing what the pastor told me to say. I just, I just want you to know, I think you're the best. Be prepared. Why do you think that? <laughs> because I think you're awesome. Why do you think that? <laughs> you know, because really you are amazing. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I'm searching here, fellas. I'm trying to help you out. Words of affirmation. I love you. You're the best. I thank God for you. I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. I'm praying for you. You know, I found over the years, one of the most important phrases to say, really to start to heal and to build things up is I'm sorry. <laughs> Not I'm sorry that you misunderstood me. <laughs> Not I'm sorry if you were offended. I'm sorry, I messed up. You know, there have been times I've had to do that in marriage. There have been times I've had to go to my children and say, I'm sorry, I handled that wrongly, poorly. I said something that I didn't mean. You know, there are words that inspire. There are words that build up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The, the, the one who has many words will have unavoidable sin, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. <laughs> the one 
who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself or herself out of trouble. Yes, words can be used to inform, to injure, but also to inspire. And scripture affirms this type of building up. Let me give you two more examples. Psalm 39.1, check this out. The psalmist says, I will guard my way so that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. And then Ephesians 4, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. So let me encourage all of us today as we think about the fact that words matter and they matter greatly in our relationships and our work, just across the board. Words matter. Listen, let's be a people who are using them to inspire and to build others up. I I promise it'll make a profound difference. Speaking kindly to someone that is serving you at a restaurant or a store, you know, even if the lines are long or the service is slow, uh, saying an encouraging specific thing to your spouse, telling your kids that you love them and that you're proud of them, that, that you speak respectfully to your parents, even in disagreement, and that you speak to them in a way that honors their position and, and their authority in your life, telling someone that you appreciate them and giving a specific, maybe a handwritten note or a text and just saying, you know what, I thought of you today and I just want you to know I appreciate you and I'm grateful for you, you know, but using our words to build up, showing restraint, wisely managing social media, being a people whose words are characterized more by life than death, realizing that all of us can use our words either as a weapon or a witness. And the challenge is to use our words as a witness. In order for us to do this, here's here's the final thing I just want us to recognize. In order for us to do this, and all of us need to do it, we have to understand that the power of words ultimately flows from the condition of the heart. And I don't want anyone to leave here today thinking that the way to change your words is just to change your vocabulary. No, it's deeper than that. The reason that words contain both the power of life and death is because words ultimately flow from a heart that is in desperate need of God's salvation. And in order for us to change our words today, listen to me very, very carefully, we have to change our hearts. Do you remember what Jesus said? Let me show this to you. And with this, I'll close. But I want you to understand the power of this. Jesus said, Matthew 12, either make the tree good and the fruit will be good or make the tree bad and the fruit will be bad for a tree is known by its fruit. In other words, saying maybe today, maybe all of us today are saying, you know what? Yes, I need to do better with my words. The words are just the fruit. In order to change the fruit, you have to change the tree. Jesus goes on to say, brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you're evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from the storeroom of good and an evil person produces evil things from the storeroom of evil. I I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. And for your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. If, If you're agitated at the long line on the day of judgment, it may be because I'm before the Lord and he's walking through all the careless words I've spoken. What is Jesus' point here? He's, he's saying, no, to change your words, you first have to change your heart. And if you're here today, you're watching us today and, and you have never just seen the, the, the sin, the, you know, the evil, the corruption in your own heart and your own life. Listen, today, I just want you to know that all of us have it. We're all born with it. 
And, and there is a cure for it. And the cure is Jesus. And Jesus came and he lived. You know what? He came as the word. He came as the word incarnate, put on human flesh. He lived a life that we could never live, a life of sinlessness, a, a life that honored God. And he went to a Roman cross and he, he took the judgment that all of us deserve for our sin. He took it upon himself. And then he rose from the dead on the third day and he conquered death and sin and hell. And therefore, here's the good news. Any of us who put our faith and our hope in Jesus in exchange for our sin, we get his righteousness. And today, if that's, if, if that's something you've never experienced, I wanna encourage you right where you are to, to pause here in just a moment and ask Jesus into your life, into your heart to change you. Because to change your words, you have to change your heart. Start, to start building up instead of tearing down. You have to let the, the word of God dwell in you richly. And when Jesus begins to dwell in you in his word, then guess what? There's gonna be a different fruit emerge from the tree that is your life. And if you're already a Christ follower today, hey, let's be a people again who by the power of God's spirit and, and, and the encouragement of his word to commit, to be mindful of the fact that our words should always be used to build up, to inspire. And by our words, may we maintain a witness that brings honor and glory to God.